It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 5th of February. Revisiting yesterday's conversation about playing the best teams, trade deadline questions, and the latest rumors going around the league on a Time Machine Tuesday. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers on a snowy, snowy morning. Coming to you from Park City, Utah. Hope you're great. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will have a live show Thursday, trade deadline starting 90 minutes before the deadline. I'll get you all the details in the upcoming days. Locked on Fantasy Basketball YouTube channel will be one of the places. We're trying to stream at other places, as some of you found out. I was fiddling with that uh, late, late last night. So that was nice to talk to a few of you as we were trying various uh, streams late at night last night. Uh, so that's coming up for you. Uh, make sure you grab that. Locked on NBA this week. Ben Golliver is on today's edition of Locked on NBA. Sam Amick is on Fridays. So yesterday's show, today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai and Slow the Flow. Yesterday's show, I broke down kind of how we were doing against the elite teams in the league. We're 10 and 16 against the 12 good teams, 20 and 8 otherwise. And when I finished, I was like, you know, so much of our conversation has been what this team has been since Kyle Korver. And it made me wonder, hmm, is there something faulty to what I just did in my research if, you know, basically I did, if I did it, including the time prior to Kyle Korver. So I went back through and found all the games against good teams. Let, let me say this. It's interesting to me. The Kyle Korver impact, I mean, when he hits two threes and we're, what, 17-1, and one, when he hits three threes, we're like 12-0. and 0. It's interesting to me, and that, I guess, makes some sense because those are actual points. When I've dug into whether or not he's really improving the play of other players, I have not found it. So... This was going to be interesting to me because when you when I've dug into you know everyone playing with Kyle Korver on the floor or without Kyle Korver on the floor um it has not shown up to me to have this tremendous impact. Um Jay Crowder for a while was getting more open looks, that's kind of gone away. Um Joe Ingles is not has actually gone the other direction. And so when you kind of dig into some of this, I mean, we all love Kyle Korver and we want to have the Kyle Korver impact on things. Um, but from the research I've done, unless it's changed recently, I have not been able to actually find that. Um, so, you know, I, I, I didn't know if I was going to find something drastically different. So I'll, I'll revisit that in a second. In the meantime, so I went through and looked at the games in which we've played 
uh, of those, what we're calling the five Eastern Conference teams and the eight other playoff teams in the West. So it eliminates Sacramento and L.A. And that's probably good because the Laker game we played was without LeBron. We have played 17 games um, with Kyle Korver and we're 7-10 and 10 in those games against the elite teams in the league. Um, the Interestingly, the defensive rating in those 17 games is a 105.9. And the offensive rating is a 106.4. So we're actually a positive differential just happened to be 7 and 10. It's a little surprising to me because of the fact that um, we've lost those two games by 27. But I guess we have a 30-point win over the Blazers and um, a 21-point win over the Blazers and a 20-point win over the Clippers. And so the differential move back in our favor. And when you divide out those 17 games, it's a 106.4 to 105.9. If you take all of the other games that we've played uh, during the year, then it it includes the, it includes all the other games. So you kind of have to actually go look through and redo against, since Kyle's joined us, We've crushed, generally, the lesser teams. That's been really what Kyle's brought to the group. We uh, have lost against the non-good teams. We've lost two games. We lost to Miami by two in his second game. And we lost to Orlando by seven in Mexico City. But otherwise, we have been absolutely fabulous against the elite teams um, or the non-elite teams so far in the process. Um, and that's been probably what jumps out uh, more than anything else since Kyle's joined the team is our ability to be just purely dominant in those games. Uh, I don't know what I don't know necessarily what the takeaway is there, honestly. But it is so I guess the point is that with Corver in the 32 games he's played with us. We've played 17 of those games against the elite teams in the league. And our offensive, we're 7-10, and 10, so our overall record's not a great deal better. But our differential is considerably better than the minus 2.2 we talked about. Against the lesser teams, we were plus 0.7.5 for the season 20-8. and eight. Now with Kyle, we're 13-2, and two, and our differential is an incredible plus 14. So against the lesser teams, we're way better, and against the, um, we're plus 0.5, but 7-10. and 10. It's a li- In other words, we're better with Corver than that overall picture I painted yesterday, and way better against the lesser teams which does matter. Back to my point a moment ago, if you're just interested, um, when Kyle Korver is on the floor, 
Uh, and Joe Ingles is on the floor. Joe is shooting 35% from the floor and 27% from three. I think it's because he has the ball in his hands and he's playing pick and roll more, maybe. Donovan, when he's on the floor with Kyle Korver and without Joe Ingles, which has happened very rarely, only about two minutes a game, is shooting 26% and 23% from three. It's a little bit more of... And even Donovan, when he's on the floor with Kyle Korver and with Joe Ingles, which often means he's at the point guard, 40% from the field and 32% from three. No, that's Kyle on Joe off. Donovan has played limited with Kyle and Joe on. That's the 26-23 number. So it's interesting. There aren't the guys that have spiked when playing with Kyle on the floor, Joe Ingles off are Derek Favors in limited minutes, are Royce O'Neal in limited minutes, and Ricky Rubio in limited minutes. With both Corver and Ingles on the floor, um, we actually have not been great. Kyle Corver shot well, and that's about it. Which is really interesting. You would think that with those two on the floor together, we'd be killing it, right? Our two best shooters on the floor together, our offensive rating, though, is a 101.4. Our defensive rating is 100. We're positive. With Corver on and Ingles off, we're plus 8.2. And then if you swap it, you get Ingles with all of his minutes with the starting lineup, and so it's not as telling. Um, that's all. Those numbers are almost always with a spread floor. All right, let's get into the rumor mill. I think two of the most interesting stories that are going on in the league, and one's Mike Conley and the other's Tobias Harris. We're both being mentioned around both of them. That's not necessarily why I find them interesting, but I do think that they are awfully interesting stories and worth digging into. We'll do it when we come back and continue. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. If you're in the market for a car, let me, I don't want to tell you what to buy or ask you this, but I would tell you to look at Hyundai. Like, take a look. Here's why. When you start to comparison shop, I'm very certain that you'll include at the Hyundai in the final stage. First of all, customer service is great. The Murdoch family committed to Utah, all the things that they've been a part of and doing all everything they can to make sure that your experience is what they call a no-regrets-buying experience. And then it's the value you get, whether it's the Hyundai Santa Fe that we bought, whether it's the Tucson, whether it's the... I was parked yesterday at uh, Park City for a minute next to a Kona Ultimate 2019. They're just so quick and cool looking. Obviously, there is the sedans as well, but right now I think you might be in a market for an SUV with this weather. Uh, Santa Fe's, Tucson's, Kona's. Check it out. Find out what you can get. We looked at it, and we came up with the best value we could get was to buy that Santa Fe uh, with Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. Tyson, excuse me, uh, Blake is down in Linden. Uh, Stop by the 4646 South State Street. Jason helped us out. They're also located in Logan. It's Murdoch Hyundai. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. 
multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30 plus health conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. And if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash locked on NBA. That's Freshly.com slash locked on NBA. Let me take a look at Tobias Harris and the Clippers situation because I think it's fascinating. And then we'll take a look at Mike Conley and the Grizzlies again because I think the situation's fascinating. I know what you want is for me to tell you what the Jazz are going to do, and I don't know. So why would I tell you when I'd be wrong? Um, I can kind of read the landscape. I've done this for 25 years. Here's what's really fascinating about Tobias Harris. The entire offseason conversation right now involving the Clippers is them getting two max spots, offering Kawhi Leonard, and offering either Kevin Durant or getting trying to get another elite-level player. And that leaves Tobias Harris sitting there as their second choice. Tobias Harris will be the first choice of multiple teams with cap money. I I would be stunned if on July 1st, someone doesn't go to Tobias Harris's house or wherever his agent's going to have him and offer him a max contract of four years. It's a lot of money. I'm not sure that Tobias Harris purely is worth that money, but at some point, the same way, I don't think Mike Conley was probably worth $30 million. Memphis had to pay him that. Um. You still, that's just what happens, right? There's a limited resources. The market expands. They have a max contract. You're competing with other teams. You offer that and then sell your team. So Brooklyn shows up at Tobias Harris's house and offers him, you know, the expectation around the league is that they would offer him a max deal the minute the training, the free agency period opens. The Clippers can offer Tobias the extra year and he can get more money and he's in LA and it's appealing. But all indications are he'll be their second choice. The Do the Clippers believe that they can go to free agency, talk to other teams, and not lose Tobias Harris? In other words, they go to Kawhi Leonard, they go to Kyrie Irving, they go to Kevin Durant, and now it's July 4th, and they say those... Kawhi says yes, the other guys say no, and they come back to Tobias Harris, and they say, here's your fifth-year max. In other words, they say to Tobias Harris on July 1st, we promise you that we will give you the fifth-year max if we sign you. Does that hold him long enough? And does Tobias Harris give the Clippers that opportunity? Or does Tobias Harris say, you know what, if you, I'm your second choice, 
screw you, I want to go where I'm first choice, I'll take four years max contract. That's enough money. I don't know. It's an interesting. Here's the second part that's interesting. So if there's a chance and the Clippers know they don't want to max out Tobias Harris, then in theory they should trade him. Because they know they're not going to max him out or they know that they have other choices or they know that he's going to leave. If that's the case, who's willing to trade for Tobias Harris for a two-month rental so that he goes into the free agent market? This gets to be the quandary of part two. I'm not sure the Clippers can get enough for Tobias Harris that the risk of losing him between July 1 and July 4 because you're not willing to offer him while you're searching for other people actually might be worth it. Like, I'm not giving up two first-round draft picks for Tobias Harris when I might not be able to re-sign him. And the Clippers' whole point of letting Tobias Harris go would be they only want expiring contracts. Now, if you have unbelievable confidence that by having him in your building, you might be able to re-sign him, that's a big deal. If you trade for him, you get his bird rights. And now you can offer him that fifth year. So let's say that there are four teams that we all know are going to bid for Tobias Harris. If one of those four teams, do they think that by getting him, getting him in-house for two months, and then being able to offer him the fifth year is enough that you then surpass the other three teams, what's that worth to you? That's the fascinating question to me. First is whether the Clippers would move him. And then part two of that is what is that last thing worth to you? Mike Conley is interesting because of something Memphis did last year. Last year, Memphis had Tyreek Evans, who everyone knew they had to trade, who they had sat down and weren't playing anymore so they could trade him, and then didn't trade him. And got nothing for him in exchange because the market that they were being offered, in their minds, was not worth trading him. It was better off to investigate keeping him. He went on to go to Indiana. And so their risk, they end up getting nothing. They've since traded two second-round draft picks for Justin Holiday. They probably wish they had gotten something for Tyreek Evans because then they'd have more picks. The situation with Mike Conley isn't quite the same because Mike Conley has two years left on his contract. So if they don't trade him now, they could trade him again in the offseason. But they're also in this funny period of time where suddenly, like, then they're the team that never makes the deal. So that gets really interesting. The other thing that's interesting is what is the market value for a 31-year-old point guard who's getting paid $30 million a year. If you look through the league recently, Kristaps Przingis was just traded for two first-round draft picks. The last trade I could find that has two first-round draft picks took place when Goran Dragic got traded to Miami on February 20th of 2015 for what I think might have been three first-round draft picks. 
Two, two first, two picks. I just looked it up. Two picks. Um, so, now, this was 2015, so this was four years ago. Dragic, at the time, was a 27-year-old point guard. I don't know that the market yields for a two point to a um to a two draft like that he is worth two picks. I, I don't I or not Mike Conley. I don't think I'm not sure that the market has shown that a thirty one year old point guard with thirty million left on his deal yields two picks. Um, there just have not been many trades in the NBA over the last five years that include two first-round picks. I would actually think uh, that Memphis gets a first-round pick. They've done a nice job on this considering the age and the contract. So I think that one's really fascinating. Um, if they got a young player in a pick, I would say that's a pretty good market for him. But Memphis last year had a player deemed the market not to be adequate for that player and then ended up actually never moving him. So those are the two that I think are most interesting. Uh, before we play... The the other one that I think is getting really interesting is Washington, who from all reports are quiet and then lost to Atlanta and Cleveland this week, which means I cannot believe they're staying quiet. The Anthony Davis situation, I'll give you some thoughts on that and then some other names that are floating around, uh, probably available for second round picks. And then you got to fill the cap, you got to make the numbers work. Here in a second. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Slow the Flow. All right, I've told you all the ways that Slow the Flow has given you to save water, help our environment, do all those things. I want to hear from you on what your little tricks are. So, for example, I use one of those Quip-style toothbrushes. Make sure the water is off after it starts. I have old, so I also have one of those, like, face things. Same thing. And when I did that, that's right, I thought of my buddies over at Slow the Flow. That's one of the little ways that you can become a water efficiency all-star. We've talked about showers instead of tubs. We've talked about shortening showers to under five minutes. Those are all ways to become a WER, water efficiency rating all-star. What are your little ones you have along the way that help the environment as well that you find yourself doing? I find slow the flow infiltrating my brain. I'll admit it. It's happening. Every time the water goes on, you think about it. But if you think about if you're installing a low flow toilet and you're saving 0.3 gallons per flush, you can save a lot in a lot of different ways. It's slow the flow. See what you can do to become a WER all-star. Slowtheflow.org. Slow the flow. Save H2O. 
Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. All right, before we go into Time Machine Tuesday, here's some names. Wayne Ellington, Jeremy Lin, Kent Bazemore, Dwayne Dedman, Tony Snell, the Celtics need to get under the luxury tax of Yabaselli. Terrence Ross might be two seconds, but maybe only one. Market seems to be two seconds for a good shooter. Wesley Matthews, if you can get that huge $20 million under your cap. Jabari Parker, Robin Lopez. All are out there. All, I think, are out there for seconds. From the way it feels to me. Are any of them out there for two seconds? Maybe Terrence Ross. Boston would like to get under the luxury tax. Um, Sacramento's a team Kevin Lowe, I mean, Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnovitz talked about yesterday. I hadn't thought a lot about. Good win for them last night. Marvin Bagley was really good. Wonder whether they want out from under Bielitz's contract. Um, they signed him uh, he's not been playing as well recently I was trying to see if I could find his contract um, I cannot he is still one of the best catch and shoot guys in the NBA when I ran those numbers the other day he was one of the best in the league there'll be a few other teams that want to sneak under the luxury tax here at some point with these little deals, and those are all second-round pick deals. It's going to be an interesting time. We'll do a live show starting 90 minutes before on Thursday, the Lockdown Podcast Network NBA Draft Deadline. Live show, as of right now, the YouTube at Lockdown Fantasy Basketball. All right, let's go to Time Machine Tuesday. Where are we going? Oh, pulled it out. A fun one. 1995-96. This is a team that lost in the... Western Conference Finals to the Seattle Supersonics after dispatching of the Blazers in five and the Spurs in six. Those five, by the way, were five-game series. So that was a pretty close little run. That first round was nerve-wracking. Let's see what they're doing on February 5th. Playing a back-to-back and smoked the Vancouver Grizzlies. Played the Lakers on the fourth. Lost. To go to 30-15, and 15, we probably were panicked. Oh, that was not a good Laker team. That team was 
Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones, Cedric Sabalos, Eldon Campbell, Vlade Divac. Magic Johnson came off the bench in that game. Must have been his comeback. To score 21.7 rebounds and six assists to beat the Jazz. Malone had 39 in a loss. That's probably was a bad loss. The Lakers were 26 and 19. We were 30 and 15. And the next day we flew to Vancouver and beat a hapless Vancouver Grizzly team that was 10 and 36 that was starting guys you didn't know played in the NBA. Greg Anthony, Blue Edwards, former Jazz man. Anthony Avent, Chris King, and Bryant Reeves. Mailman had 31, 8, and 5. Stockton had 8 on 3 of 11 shooting, 11 assists. Hornacek dropped 18. Felton Spencer was the starting center. He had not. Is that the year he tore his Achilles? I think it was. Antoine Carr came off the bench for 13. Adam Keefe had 4. Howard Isley, Greg Ostertag played 5 minutes. And David Benoit played 24. Our three-point shooting that night, one of nine. Who made the three? The mailman. Was the only man to make a three that night for the Jazz. They went one of nine from three that night. Had a 109 offensive rating. The Grizzlies went three of ten from three that night. How crazy. We have a quarter with only 19 threes now. It's a big deal. How the world has changed. Effective field goal percentage of both teams was below 49%. All right, that's your time. That's a blasé time machine Tuesday. Nothing funny. We didn't find anything crazy. Eric Murdoch, by the way, former Jasmine, was playing for the Grizzlies by then. That's a little bit of a little random note. Byron Scott was too. Jazz win that one to go to 31-15 and 15 with that win. We'd go on a seven-game win streak right out of the All-Star break that year to just start rolling, and then we actually kind of puttered our way into the, if I remember correctly, finished only winning about 12 of our final 22, and then um, game five had a game five against Portland in the first round of that playoff series, which I think they won by 40, um, but had lost, lost game three in overtime that series, and lost game four, and then everyone got really nervous, had like four days off and went and smoked Portland. Then we had the Dennis Rodman fiasco series against the Spurs, um, but it took us longer than it took the Sonics, so we we beat the Spurs on the 16th, had to play an early Saturday game against the Supersonics and their trapping defense on the 18th and lost by 30, and before they we kind of got our grip underneath us, the Jazz were 3-1, and one, <clears throat> down 3-1, and ended up losing that series. All right, that, my friends, is today's edition of Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Ben Golliver on with the guys on Locked On NBA today. Go grab that. Plus, anytime Woj bombs, the Lockdown Podcast Network has the local angle from the biggest stories on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.